It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Saturday, May 30th, 2020. On this day in 1806, future President Andrew Jackson killed a man in a duel. Despite this murder, Jackson would face no criminal charges and go on to be seen as a national hero. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today we're discussing the duel between Andrew Jackson and Charles Dickinson. The incident cemented Jackson's reputation as a bloodthirsty maniac, and yet it had absolutely no impact on his later run for president. Before we unpack all that, let's go back to Logan County, Kentucky, on the morning of May 30th, 1806. The two duelists met in the woods at 7 a.m. They were formidable opponents. The challenger, 39-year-old former congressman Andrew Jackson, was known around Nashville as hot-headed and violent. This was at least his third duel, and over the course of his life, he'd take part in up to 100. His opponent, Charles Dickinson, was no stranger to dueling himself. It was said that in his 26 years of life, he'd shot and killed 26 men. The showdown was a long time coming. Bad blood had been brewing between the two for the better part of a year. The tipping point had come the week before, when Dickinson wrote an opinion piece for the local newspaper calling Jackson a worthless scoundrel, a poltroon, and a coward. Jackson decided they ought to settle things like gentlemen, and since dueling was illegal in Tennessee, the two enemies hopped across the border to Kentucky. Jackson arrived wearing a long, loose-fitting coat to make it harder for his opponent to aim at his chest. He needed to use every trick in the book. Dickinson was known as the best pistol shot in all of Kentucky. Knowing this, Jackson and his second, Thomas Overton, decided on a risky strategy. Let Dickinson shoot first. With any luck, he'd fire quickly, without taking proper aim, and miss. Then Jackson would have ample time to steady his shot before firing back. Of course, if Dickinson didn't miss, Jackson would be dead before he had a chance to return fire. The men readied their pistols, stood back to back, and took eight paces, coming to a stop a mere 24 feet apart. When they were both ready, Overton called fire. Dickinson fired first, landing a bullet just inches from Jackson's heart. But Jackson didn't fall. He stood perfectly still, teeth clenched. Dickinson was so spooked, he faltered back and cried out, Great God, have I missed him? 
Overton told him to get back to his mark. It was Jackson's turn now. Slowly, Jackson raised his pistol, steadied his grip, squeezed the trigger. It misfired. Undeterred, Jackson drew back the hammer again, aimed and fired a bullet straight through Dickinson's chest. Dickinson died of his wounds later that night. As for Andrew Jackson, the bullet he took had shattered two of his ribs and lodged itself into his chest. His doctor marveled that he was able to stay on his feet with such a serious wound. Jackson replied, I would have stood up long enough to kill him if he had put a bullet in my brain. Coming up, we'll look at the fallout of Jackson's duel. Now back to the story. When the news of Charles Dickinson's death on May 30th, 1806 made it back to Nashville, most of the city was aghast. Dueling was fairly common, if controversial and illegal, but rarely did a duel actually turn fatal. Killing your opponent was ungentlemanly, and on top of that, many people believed that Andrew Jackson had broken the rules of the duel by firing a second time after his gun misfired. His conduct was seen as nothing short of cold-blooded murder. Shortly after the duel, a petition was sent to the local newspaper asking that the next issue be dedicated to Dickinson's memory. 73 people signed it. When Jackson heard about this, he demanded that the names of the petitioners should be published as well. As a testament to Jackson's reputation for vengeance, 26 of the signatures were immediately withdrawn. Jackson never faced criminal charges, but for months after the duel, he was a social pariah. To repair his reputation, he decided to team up with another public figure who was in a similar situation, former Vice President Aaron Burr. Just two years earlier, Burr had shot and killed the former Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton. With his political career down the drain and murder charges pending in his home state of New York, Burr headed west with a new plan. He was going to invade Spanish Florida and declare himself emperor. Andrew Jackson was fully on board. In early October of 1806, scarcely four months after his duel, he organized a militia and told them to get ready to march. Unfortunately, by December, President Jefferson had gotten wind of the plan and Burr was arrested for treason. Jackson managed to escape charges, but he was subpoenaed to testify as an unindicted co-conspirator. And yet, that wasn't the end for Andrew Jackson. Six years later, the War of 1812 broke out. The unhinged rage that had crippled Jackson's personal life suited him well on the battlefield. He soon claimed shocking victory at the Battle of New Orleans. Jackson's troops suffered only 62 casualties, while the British lost 2,034. After this, Jackson was nationally lauded as a war hero. In the coming years, he would keep up that reputation, leading brutally successful campaigns against the Seminole and Creek tribes in Georgia. 
and in 1818, he finished the work Aaron Burr had started, invading Florida, executing the British agents in the area, and conquering the land. Though instead of declaring himself emperor, he did it all in the name of the United States. After all these impressive acts of state-sanctioned violence, the public had mostly forgotten about the time Andrew Jackson shot and killed a man in cold blood. The old scandal did nothing to stop Jackson's campaign for president in 1828. With that in mind, what happened next was to be expected. After assuming office, Jackson's number one priority was the Indian Removal Act. Passed in 1830, the act gave the president power to forcibly remove native tribes from U.S. territory. Estimates vary, but by the time all was said and done, tens of thousands of people were driven from their homes, and between 8,000 and 16,000 died. To this day, Andrew Jackson is the only U.S. president known to have killed a person outside of combat. Although the duel faded from public memory, Jackson carried Charles Dickinson's bullet in his chest for the rest of his life. And likewise, America will always carry the scars of Jackson's presidency. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more shocking stories from America's political history, check out ParCast's other show, Political Scandals. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Mike Ramos, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Kate Gallagher, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 